This is Gary Twig and you listen to Tales from the East Stand. Back to another edition of Tales from the East End, episode 19, and we will discuss the games in Iceland and Sligo. Look ahead of the Europa League second leg against Sternan. There's an interview with Robert Bocker Bailey. Now, as always, it is myself, Gary Parsons, and it, the, beside me is the prof, Carl Riley. Hello. So, uh, we arrived at the airport for our trip to Iceland at half. No, we're due to go out at half nine. We got there at about eight, so we thought, right, we'll be smart and we'll get there early. Saw Lukey Bourne in a sling and Darren Meenan is the only one that didn't travel. He was sick, apparently. Uh, we were all very worried seeing Lukey in a sling, but um, he assured us that he was grand and he wasn't going to miss the game, so he was determined to play. The doctor was worried, but Bradger and Lukey himself didn't seem concerned. Yeah, the super doctor was there talking the ear off everyone um, <laughs> within within earshot. We got, like I said, we got there early as a precaution and we were told we couldn't have a point until we checked in, which was a disaster. So we had an hour and a half. It's because we didn't have our boarding pass yet. That's what it was, yeah. And uh, so we trashed the place, we beat up the bartender, drank every bit of beer they had, Stone Cold Steve Austin style. Uh, not really, though. We, we just sat around till half <laughs> nine. Yeah, calmly. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Pat Kilmerton, actually, for the lift to and from the airport. Yeah, absolute gents. We had a nice tour of Dublin on the way home as well. Fair play to Pat, showed us the sights. Yeah, Charter had around 120 on it, I think. Yeah, it was good numbers and good crack. Players, officials, fans, two journalists. Bowles journalist as well, wasn't he? And just before we carry on now, I have to have to quickly read out this post by Maloney, if you remember on Facebook before we left, where he said, A reminder for all fans travelling that we're not only ambassadors for Rovers, but for our country too. And after what the Iceland fans witnessed the Euro 2016, we have a certain reputation to live up to. So plenty of singing ads, sing lullabies to babies on public transport and the Lord's Prayer to passing nuns. Take your shoes off for the boys in green before you jump into the Blue Lagoon. And if there's any messing and a car is damaged, don't forget to release the inner panel beater in yourself and stick a few kronos through the windows. If you're looking for me, I'll be launching O'Neill's balls through the balcony windows. I won't be hard to notice. I'll be the one draped in Davy Kyo flag wearing a horse's head. Ole, ole, ole. <laughs> Uh, certainly wasn't fucking like that I didn't see Maloney do any of that now but I did see him try to serenade an Icelandic woman in the fan zone so if he was going for an OLA OLA brigade bingo that would have that completed it I'll tell you we could, we could have our own show on his antics he could have his own episode the Maloney episode in Iceland Maloney in Iceland yeah also he's planning to start a song called We Hate Keflavics Keflavics yeah Oh man, it was, it was a fantastic trip, it really was. It was so many funny, so so much going on. So, 
like I said, we had a few points after we checked in because we got delayed, so it was a good thing. I mean, we we got a lot of points on board because we knew we were going to hit get hit hard with the with the prices when we got there. But it was a, it was a dry flight as well, but all you can drink soft drinks. So if you had a mixer, you were you were grand. Uh, the bus transfer it was quick enough, forty minutes, quite picturesque at times. Driver had an Anfield cap. Yeah, about twenty year old Anfield cap, cans of Bowley and Viking, and uh, we were on our way. We were flying, so we got to the guest house, and bang in the middle of town. The owner was an FK Reykjavik fan, Loki. He was wishing us luck, hoping, hoping we yeah. got through. Says he hates Darnan. Yeah, hates Darnan. Played for FK as well, so he was no, he's a good lad. Looked after us. As I said to you, the odds there are more likely you will run into a former player because the population of three hundred thirty thousand. It was yeah. like eight clubs in Reykjavik. Yeah, the taxi driver was a foreign player too, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Out to the guest house. And the taxi driver out to the, the fan zone, he showed us what he was going to have for dinner. Yeah, he whipped out a fucking sheep's head, didn't he? Yeah. Literally just a sheep's head. Luckily, we weren't going for a meal because that would have ruined my appetite. <laughs> we would have given it a go. Like when you uh, looked out the window of our guest house, Gar, and you just said, we're in Iceland, Gar. Yeah, that, that was it. It was the realisation, wasn't it? Yeah, I also liked your uh, your booking dot com review. <laughs> Do you know of, what? I was uh, central. I was well on when I did that, so I said, "You know what? Fuck it." They actually verified that. That's there for for everyone to see now. <laughs> it was their fault. that never gets Derek in Iceland. <laughs> and it was their fault for drilling either. Nine point two rating because it was still bright at one a.m. <laughs> or five a.m. even. Uh, what else have we got we yeah so we were we were on our way to the drunken rabbit but Ward came down and we were fin- we were just polishing off our cans in the guest house and we were informed of the shenanigans by the drunken rabbit hiking up their prices and uh, as Jason Maloney put it the manager made the worst economic decision since the Brits voted for Brexit so yeah price wars yeah there was a departure en masse of, of hoops heading down to the Dubliner and uh, it, it was it was a good decision because the drunken rabbit was was tiny and yeah, the Dubliner it was way too small and Dublin was quite spacious so it was good for you to stay there so. yeah it was a great builder big and spacious big beer garden manager was a gent we have some audio with him so we'll listen to that in a while Steve the techno viking he's a jack of all trades wasn't he yeah I reckon he was a procurement specialist in a different life <laughs> we gave him a free jersey he was very happy with that yeah and then he whipped out the shots yeah gave us all a free shot of babies was it yeah he knew what was coming his way he knew there was going to be loads of us drinking and he knew where he'd keep a happy hour 24 hours it was a good decision by him I mean the drunken monkey or the rabbit whatever they, they missed out so it was only because he had some problem with his email that he didn't see the first one wasn't it yeah yeah so it worked out for him in the end I honestly didn't think we'd even go near the place so yeah no he was a cool guy he loved, he loved having us he was taking lots of pictures if you look on the Dubliner Facebook page he thought it was great crack so yeah no, some good. so he looked at us and uh, can't see myself ever being back there bar football but um, I'd definitely go back if, if it was a football trip we have uh, all the all the upper echelons of of hoops hierarchy were there. There was uh, Brendan, Rochi, Ray Wilson, etc. All all the hoops we met like it really opened my eyes to how much of a tight knit group it really is. And I I personally never ever want to miss another Euro trip again, ever. Well, you lost your Euro virginity on this trip, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I can't believe it's only happened now because I mean, like I said someone posted up on Facebook that they haven't gone to many European trips because they had kids and stuff like that it kind of reminded me of myself but like I said I don't ever want to miss this again it, it really it really was a cracker of a trip I mean not nothing bad to say about it no bad instance no bad blood between anyone it was it was, it was a super trip I mean yeah it was all kinds we'll of we'll give the PC there. version I don't think you can give the 
the other the other accounts probably be sued. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of supporters there, young and old, as you mentioned, board members, the whole lot. I mean, yeah. Ray had his whole family with him. It seemed it was nice to see, you know. Yeah, I mean, people I met for the first time, like Jamie Hayden, who I knew, but I'd never met him in person. Fergus, hadn't seen him in a few years. Uh, Ray Wilson came over to us, actually. And he said, uh, where's the prof? Yeah, very, very flat, very flattered, weren't we? Yeah. But, um, the music in the Dubliner is pretty good, too. Yeah. It was it's almost like they played that CD we had. Yeah, it was, had a, the it was Smiths, Stone Roses, whatever you want. We had, a, we had free reign on the music. I'll let you talk about the early morning, Carl. I'll, uh, I was... Uh, Occupied. Well, I don't know how you slept because it was drilling going on outside from about half eight, as you mentioned in your booking.com review. <laughs> yeah, they were doing up another guest house. It looked like. But uh, yeah, I went. I went for breakfast and uh, actually met McDerry Ferris on the way. He's there for the week. Uh, he was off whale watching. He yeah, said he spot a whale watching, didn't he? Yeah. He seemed to do the, the, all the cool stuff, so he, he definitely made a, an occasion out of a fair play. Well, yeah, obviously we missed a lot of this stuff. I mean, we missed the scenery and the whale watching and the volcanoes and stuff so I'm sure if you took all that in it's a cool place to be but it's a very expensive city other than that like I mean then, then the cool na- natural side of things a bit yeah. of a dreary old kip at times wasn't it like corrugated iron buildings prefabs I mean mm. rain and more rain I mean every time we went out it rained it's, it's some, I reckon we could just say all the way to Iceland we didn't leave the pub <laughs> Someone described it as a nineteen eighties limerick. I won't, yeah. uh, I won't name drop him, but <laughs> Angela's ashes type stuff. Yeah, no, we didn't check out any natural wonders, but um, it would have been nice to do. But like I said, we were too busy in the pub and having a laugh and things like that. You know, I mean, it was only a forty-eight hour trip, so Def- definitely, uh, definitely a great trip, though. Yeah, so walking around town on the Thursday afternoon, and um, I mean, to be honest, there wasn't much to do, was there? Well, we had no plans, but as you say, like. We were we just ended up in the pub uh, early afternoon. I'd taken about two hundred euro out of the ATM, and it was gone before I knew it. Yep, gone. I ended up going to the game thinking, right, I can afford either a program or a burger, and I got neither. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, no, it was it was nuts. It, yeah. it really, really was. I mean, the prices are what you thought they'd be. The like twelve euro for a Bulmers. I mean, we we were drinking seven euro two borg most of the time at Carlsberg. That did the job, but um. Everything else, I went in to have a look around for stuff like, for a guilt present for the missus, <laughs> and I was looking at this shawl, and it was like seventy thousand kroners, <laughs> like a little flimsy cardigan was like two hundred and fifty euro. I just said, oh, get me out here." Even the novelty item was for like twenty five, thirty yeah, euro. Umbrella, for it was last we went in to get an umbrella. It was thirty euro. I said, "Car, stay there. I'm gonna try and nick this." <laughs> Created the version. It's on Facebook. They even charge for air. Ten or a can. Literally. Cans of air. That's what they sell. Icelandic air. Fucking unbelievable. The Americans do love this place, don't they? Yeah, they're just roped into it. I reckon the people of Iceland just got around and says, okay, listen, we have a niche in the market here. We can just raise our prices really, really high. People are going to come here to see the natural wonders of the land anyway. And we'll just hike the prices up, charge them crazy money for everything, and they will keep coming back. And it's working for them, so... Fair play to them in that respect. They're screwing us over like that. It works. Every second person we met was American or Canadian. Yeah, yeah, they were. In our guest house, and, you know, it's a good few. And uh, we did see the Lebowski bar and the Chuck Norris grill. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. 
And uh, two Russian lads actually came up to us. Yeah, I didn't they see were, them at the game. They were really interested in going to the game. But we told them, gave them directions, told them where to go. Told them to go to Dublin or the buses and the taxis are leaving from there. But I heard they made actually. Did they? Someone mentioned uh, four Russians. Ah, no way. That's pretty cool. Exactly. I didn't see them now. They weren't in Ireland. They must yeah. have been the other one. Uh, the people are nice and they're really nice as well. I will give you that. Mm. The kids were amazingly well behaved. Like some of the things you said to kids outside the crowd. Yeah, fuck them. And they had no response. Yeah. That was Dublin to be bloodshed. <laughs> They're oh, just God. like, okay, and they went off in their scooters. The fan zone was a bit of crack as well. You're one of the Celtic queen. She drank her own weight and gold lager, only. She was a mad thing. Oh, she had a Ungfru Celtic queen on the back of her jersey. She was nuts, man. She ended up in our end after the game. She walked up the stairs towards towards yeah. our section. She was holding herself pretty well. Yeah, she did. Considering well. how many beers she had. she drank her own weight in lager. <laughs> we asked her what that meant on the jersey, and she just said something about roaring at the Celtic game two years ago couldn't really follow it but oh, right. so that's our that's our moment of fame she probably put it to YouTube yeah. before something and uh, this, is, this is after the game now but one one Rowers fan ruffled the steward's hair he just sort of like put his hand in and combed it back and the guy just had a stoic expression the whole time <laughs> just no response it, it was like a reverse Mark Kinsella they, they're, they're very conservative over there aren't they so it was back to the Dubliner again Singing flags, we decked it out in Rovers gear. It was a, uh, it was Rovers for the two days. Yeah, I like Daniel's flag. Uh, Rovers is a way of life. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? There's a couple of good flags, isn't there? Yeah. And we forgot our flag again. Yep. Saved. But crying all over again, Gary. Crying all over. We were saved once again. It's gonna, it's gonna get lost eventually. <laughs> Rob Tormy saved us this time. Yeah. Last time again. it was Ryan. Many thanks to Rob. Yeah. Absolute gent. I mean. I think we would have been covered, but it, like it was very, very shrewd of him picking it up and bringing it over. So once again, we do appreciate it. Yeah, the singing was good crack as well out in the just outside the pub. Ah, yeah, but the entrance and uh, we had a bit of an audience as well. Yeah, some tourists came by and they were filming us, and uh, even a rendition of Bjork. Yeah, one stage. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't resort to kicking any footballs through windows or no. We didn't uh, fix any Thinking punctures. Boys or no, fuck no. that. What else have we got? We got a couple of interviews. And we got, who do we have? We have Leighton Doyle. We have Pat Martin, And we have Techno Viking Steve, the manager of the Dubliner. So we'll roll them out. Well, I'm here with Steve, the manager of the Dubliner in Reykjavik. And he's a Rovers jersey zone. He's, he's, he's officially a fan. What do you think of the Rovers fan so far? I'm pretty fucking good. Yeah, you happy yeah, with us? I'm, I'm happy with you. Yeah, you've been good. And uh, we're... Not, not a pretty bunch. No, but friendly. I know. Would you, uh, and uh, have you found it to be a generous bunch? Yeah? You'd be very generous. You think so? Entertaining. Have we drank it dry? Yeah. Almost. <laughs> Almost. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it though. You better be back after the game. Uh, if you so, drink us dry, it's shots on me. Yeah, we'll definitely come back then. Listen, cheers, and we'll uh, we'll see you again. Thanks and good luck. Have fun. Right, we're in our, our spiritual home now at this stage. We're in the Dublin Arm Reykjavik, and I'm here with Leighton Doyle. Leighton, what do you think of the trip so far? Puffing. <laughs> Whale watching. That's all we're doing. Eating blubber. Eating blubber. No, uh, no. In fairness, um, we've been looked after by the Dublin yeah, haven't we? We have, we have indeed, yeah. We got screwed up with a drunken monkey. A couple of establishments were uh, giving their prices, and there was a bit of a. 
tip for tat, you know, and all that kind of carry on. But, um, There's been bar wars as well. We had reps from the drunken yeah, yeah. rabbit come in we, here and try and get us back. coming in, and, um, but I think we found a home here in the Dubliner. But uh, sure, it always had to be the Dubliner, didn't it? Yeah, that was it. And uh, what, what do you think for tonight? What's your prediction? How do you think we'll fare against this lot? Set pieces and throw-ins we're hearing. Um, I'm hearing the same thing, and I'm a bit wordy. You know, I wouldn't be uh, look at your man's fucking jeans here. Sorry, know, you know, fucking... But no, I'll be a bit. Uh, I'll be. Wor- I'll be more worried than a lot of hoops. A lot of hoops are thinking these are going to be, uh, you know, easy peasy. No, yeah, no, yeah. No, but um, I'd, I'd be very happy with a score draw. I'll yeah, take that back to Canada. Hundred percent. Yeah, away goal is what it's all about. Because I, I really think they're scored against us. Cause yeah. As, as being proven all season, we're bad on set pieces, yeah. so um, and that's their thing, I wouldn't have the confidence. And all reports is they're uh, very strong on the set pieces, you know. So yeah. if so we take, I take, I take any score draw back to Tally, even a two-one defeat, I wouldn't be happy, but I take it. Yeah, you take You know, but as long as we scored over here, I think. It, like anywhere in Europe, it's all about the way go. Yeah. You know, it's all about the way go. So we're here with Paddy Kilmer and Paddy, how did you get over? And uh, what do you think of Iceland so far? We came over on the club charter. We had a fantastic night last night. The bar was stuffed with Rovers. It's, it was like it was like old days with Rovers. Yeah, everyone's well, getting fast. on. Great, great Sing atmosphere. Kind of everyone's there. It's it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And then. Um, so, uh, what time? Can you remember what time you came home at, or is that too much of a uh, prying question? Uh, to quote that old Simpsons uh, episode where Homer goes to uh, Moe's bar, yeah. s- scene missing. <laughs> uh, but it was top class, top class night, full of songs, points, madness, mayhem, the whole lot. So, what do you think of tonight? How are we going to do, and what's your prediction? I'm going to go for. 1-0 for Rovers we we shouldn't underestimate these guys I think it's kind of 50-50 uh, we're not really a team that's kind of set up uh, to play for a draw at you know kind of a nil-nil draw at the moment I think we need to go at them and try and get an away yeah, goal agree. so yeah, I think so I'm away actually, goal's essential isn't it I'm actually going to go for 1-0 right, we'll go with 1-0 we'll, we'll, we'll go back at Tallaght and then we can take them then yeah, so that was it. We we talked to we did our best to get an interview or two with the Dubliner, <laughs> but it was uh, there was there was madness all over the place. So, like I said, we did our best, and uh, back to the fan zone. Took us a while to get a taxi, didn't we? Because we we're like idiots. We weren't proactive. Everyone else had booked one. No, not at all. So we just jumped in and got ripped off. Got dropped off the stadium. Got ripped off again. The ticket boot. <laughs> Fucking think was it something like thirty five quid to get into the game, wasn't it? Yeah, forty quid for the taxi. Like I said, you, you, had, you needed to remortgage the house just for the two nights. Yeah, so there was a bit of a sing off in the fan zone. It was all very friendly. It was no nothing, a bit of slagging and all. That was it. So it was grand. Yeah, it was funny when uh, they would sing a song, and then we would have our version of it. Yeah, and you just see the look in their face. It was like, how do you know that as well? Yeah, <laughs> that well, was pretty cool. And there was a shit Justin Bieber as well. Yeah, he was he was he was gas. And even their fans joined in with that. <laughs> he reminds me of a nineties movie goon. Except the sunglasses and yeah, long blonde like hair. Bad German die haired uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool.
inside their ground and their facilities. It was a one-sided ground, one stand, sponsored by heavyweights, Samsung and Mercedes. Yeah, big sponsors. Yeah. Uh, other than that, plastic pitch, not much to it. I mean, if it was a, if I had another side, it would be a pretty nice stadium. But other than that, it's just pretty basic, you know. Well, when we had to walk out to the fan zone, we walked through their basketball court yeah. and their gym so they have a nice setup there yeah, if, if that's that that was their their setup that, it's amazing well, it's a sports club isn't they it like a gymnastics setup they had basketball yeah. courts they had football it, it really was it was brilliant yeah, it would put a lot of League of Ireland clubs to shame oh, right, well, it even though it's a small ground 1000 and it was pretty much full for the game although you have to think I mean looking at the tenses for their league games it's obvious that a lot of these fans were coming out for the event ah oh, yeah I mean even the Prime Minister was there so <laughs> I wrote you met him, didn't he? Yeah. On the morning. Yeah, I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall there. See the sore head. There's <laughs> <laughs> um, actually a stat I forgot last week. The smallest crowd ever for a Robbers European game. Go on. Was the game in Iceland in nineteen eighty two. How many? Five hundred and sixty seven. Five six seven. Yeah. I I will say they do have their they do have their affairs in order. I mean I mean when it comes to being organised, I mean you go to the they had a little stall selling Snickers and, and and just sweets, and you could use your you could use your card. You could tap your card, you know. So they definitely <laughs> had their. Although you had to queue up to get a ticket to buy a burger. Oh, that was weird. I didn't even see that. Yeah, and they were pretty cool. The stewards were pretty cool about uh, beer. Oh, they were told. Oh. Um, I think I think somebody t- said to Brendan, tell yeah. the fans not to be jumping around, shaking the beer around, just have it down by the sides. Down. Yeah. So which I'll I'll deal with that. I'll do that all day, you know. We were coming in, we were trying to pronounce Stjernan. So we were just we were going back and forth. You were like, Stjernan. <laughs> Stjernan. We got corrected, didn't Stjernan. we? Stjernan. And then one of the stewards just had enough and she was like, Stjernan. <laughs> we like, that's what we said. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, some people got fooled. Some Hoopers came prepared though with the away Sambos. Great idea. They were sorted. Great show, I have to say, yeah. Milling the Sambos at halftime. Uh, Roji gave us a wave as well. His uh, his mo- his, his moment of fame. <laughs> oh yeah, Brendan uh, corrected me on on last week's show. He denied waving to the camera. Ah, uh, he definitely did. He saw that saw the opportunity and he went for it. We'll look at the performance now, which not one person talked about after the game. Not one person posted about the performance because it was a great performance, and everyone was just talking about the trips, the blue lagoon, the points, everything like that. So actually talk for the uh, game. Funny, I never noticed that until you pointed it out before we started recording. I was no, like, come on, oh. post. I was like, oh yeah, and it was a brilliant performance because it, it really, really was. I mean, Bork started, um, had a quite enough game. The goal I missed in the jacks. I travel all the way to Iceland, didn't see the goal. How do you even do that? <laughs> and do you know what? Right, here's what happened. Myself and Mick Cairns are waiting for a break and play at the top of the stand, and the ball went out for for their kick out. So we legged it down. I heard the roar and I'm just mid piss, just sitting there, disgusted. Just like, I missed the goal. I can't believe this. I remember so. saying to you five minutes beforehand, I was saying, I would never go to Jack's during a <laughs> European game. And you were agreeing with me. You were like, oh yeah, oh I yeah. I couldn't hold I had to go. And then you were gone five minutes later. I had to go. It was either that or off the top of the terrace. Yeah, I did kind of tip Burke to start the game, didn't I? Mm, definitely, yeah. He was always going to start, wasn't he? Although I was convinced he'd play McAllister. I got that wrong, but it was a good thing that um, Luke Byrne played because 
we wouldn't have liked to have Trevor Clark up against a number 19 the big tall right wing guy. 6 foot 4 winger yeah yeah, he, he, he did make a problem himself but Luke he had him in his pocket Luke he, it was it was a really good performance because he was he was trying a lot of stuff he was trying to get in behind he was he was taking Luke on but Luke had him in his pocket had him sussed and uh, that was their only threat really yeah he was the only one that seemed to have something about him but other than that they were surprisingly poor. Yeah, I, I, I mean, home, home game. They didn't set out their stall to attack us at all. They maybe one or two shots at the start, but other than that, they, they did nothing. I mean, the chances. Tomer made a stunning save. I will give him that. Yeah, he was at full stretch for that. That was day, brilliant. That was a really good save, an important time as well. So there were a few nervy moments from set pieces. Yeah, and the last few minutes, obviously, it felt it felt like fifteen minutes, not mm. three. But even then, I mean. Didn't do it. The ball went down for a kick out. Yeah, but the clock ran down. So, like what? What I will say is that everybody, like to a man, all eleven won their personal battles, and I think that's, I think that's what the the big thing was. They all won their own personal battle. They were always forced to every tackle, so it was a really, really good team performance. It was didn't, really ne- didn't necessarily play amazingly, but it was there was heart there. You know, it was a really good performance. I mean, passed the ball well, controlled the game. Can't think of anyone. Even up until the last minute, we pressed them as well. So, like I said, they were they were poor, and um, I think that one was for the fans. The team just kept keep just kept going, and it was a great great support. Celebrations were fantastic after it, celebrating all the way out to the buses. I mean, and and the fans they seemed to gen- or the the players genuinely seemed to appreciate the fans after because they saw the amount that travelled. We filled the whole away section, so super yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, it was a great reception after for the players and. Stephen Bradley or Bradley Stephen, as it was announced of the PA. <laughs> you could see, yeah, you could see it in their faces. I but, mean, they genuinely thought, right, this is a special crowd here. They, they, they are behind us, you know. But just to go back to the goal, since uh, I'm the only one that can describe it oh, on the show. I watched it this morning. Yeah, the keeper made a mess of me in his corner. Uh, Webster kind of knocked it on to Shaw, and Shaw posted in, and what was that? A few minutes before half time or something. Yeah, just before half time. Bradley actually said in an interview afterwards that they thought they'd switch off on set pieces. Yeah, no, we, we looked actually quite solid from so set pieces. It looked pieces. like we could scale that one. Their squad numbers were shocking, by the way. Yeah, their number nine playing centre half. He was actually all right. number three the, up front. Yeah, he was one of the brothers, wasn't he? There was two oh, brothers right. playing, yeah. yeah. He was the number nine. I was checking them out this morning. Um, yeah, so uh, great, great win altogether. I mean... It really was. It said a lot. Of, it said a lot about the character of that team to pull that win out of bag. So, yeah, it's a massive win and away win in Europe. Our first since Belgrade. Is that right? Really? Yeah. First time we won away in the first leg since Andre two thousand three. Two thousand three. Wow. Uh, hopefully we get the job done on Thursday. I can't see us losing to this crowd, and let's not look too far to, for far into the future. But I mean, I was looking at the Boleslav team. Did we even talk about it. No. Are we chancing our arm? No, well, people are obviously a bit nervous now because of the Sligo result, but we've lost away so many times this season and then bounced back with a great home performance, yeah. so I'm not actually worried at all. Yeah, no, I think we'll do it. We'll go on to predictions and team and team uh, uh, scores and predictions later, but... As you say, it's 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 massive to get a win in Europe. Huge. It's, it's so special to be there as well because obviously it was our first time seeing the way win. Most of fans... Even those following thirty years, they've usually only seen 
one or two away wins in their lifetime. Yeah, so it's rare, isn't it? Pierre Murphy, for example, was 11th time lucky for him. 11th? 11 yeah. away games. Yeah. And only one, one win. Wow. And um, we had an awful battle trying to keep our phones charged during this trip, didn't yeah. we? And the uh, best example was Dara, who was standing behind us. He was streaming the game for a good while. And he was right down to his last percentage. And uh, this made a lot of people back home happy. If yeah, you, no, I was, fair play to him, good lad. I was flicking through Robertshire earlier, and uh, people were delighted about that. Yeah, no, definitely a good lad. Good hoop. And uh, you lost your voice by the evening, Gar, so... Gone. I don't know how good our commentary would have been had we actually tried to do that. No, definitely not. See, we had we had a lot of technical issues, so it wasn't happening. And by technical issues, I mean, we just drank too much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so once again we have we have another Maloney quote I mean we're just waiting on the book at this stage some people might say that we're always talking about the guy but he's 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 a quotable guy you know he's, he's funny you know that's that's what we want on the show you know so this is from Facebook and uh, I tried to discover emanates from the table at the far end of the pub Leighton Doyle is on tune and this chant means only one thing Rovers are in Europe and let me tell you something there's no better feeling I speak to podcast supremo the prof and his only previous away day in Europe was Spores in 2011. He thinks aloud why he hasn't done this more often. He's not alone. People think I'm a bit mad when I book every Wednesday, Thursday and Friday off at the end of June and July. When when you've experienced the Rovers away day in Europe, you don't want to miss out ever again. We set out from Cork early on Wednesday morning and everything goes according to plan. We buy two litres of duty-free vodka for €25, which is exactly the same price as two glasses of vodka in downtown Reykjavik. We head for the Drunk Rabbit pub where Rovers fans have an alleged drink deal. The first round of drinks costs us 9850 kroners, but after the manager realised there, there will be plenty of us arriving, later the prices rise inexplicably. I order three points and I'm charged 2500 kroner. When I question the price, I am told the mistake has been made, and as a gesture, he wouldn't charge me for the mistake earlier. <laughs> I couldn't believe when he said that. No. <laughs> that was crazy. And I told him to shove the three points up his hole and that he wouldn't get the chance to charge me for anything else. A 60 second walk has us in the Dubliner pub and we negotiate a proper drinks deal with an appreciative owner. Pretty soon the place is packed with hoops. The fiend from the first pub then comes in and tries to get us back. I guess he'd realised he'd made the worst economic decision since the Brits voted for Brexit. The rest of the trip flew in. We got our photos taken at the seafront with our flags. We took over the Dubliner again. I sang Smith's Classic with Ray Wilson and I somehow celebrated Gary Shaw's winner in the home end. Crazy times. But much more importantly, I spent 48 hours with the best people on earth watching the team I love. Fingers crossed we get the chance to do it all again in Prague in a few weeks' time. Come on the hoops. Yeah, thanks for the shout-out there, Jason. But uh, no mention of the Mercedes, though, mm. in his post. He tried to get a lift of Ballier after the game, didn't he? <laughs> for those who aren't aware, Maloney tried to hijack a Mercedes. <laughs> do you know what? It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Honestly, I, all I could see is Rovers fans jumping around the front of the Merc. And I walk around to the front and go, what's alright, the lads are having a, a bit of crack here, we'll go around and see what's happening. But Maloney's sitting in the passenger seat and he's arguing with the driver. I had to do a double take, I was like, <laughs> I was is like, that Maloney is, is the in purple, the car? The purple and black stripes. Yeah. And as he was get, I think he got dragged out by the guy and just as he's getting out. His glasses were missing. Too. Yeah, I think, I don't know who, yeah. I don't know how the glasses came off, but as he was getting dragged out of the car, I think he got dragged out or whatever way he got out, he just got out he goes, fuck a shy car anyway. <laughs> <laughs> worked about 150,000 euro <laughs> oh man yeah his, uh, his piano playing skills need work as well yeah no you're gonna brush up on them for Prague having had that story counted there and having uh, listened to Dan Fulham say the same thing about the drunken rabbit owner coming back to try and make up for his 
Stupid mistake. Crawling back like a weasel. I think there's only one thing to do here. I think it is, Carl. You think what I'm thinking? I'm thinking what you're thinking. I think it's time to put the drunken rabbit on the list of hatred. Definitely going on. 100% deserved. I mean, literally, why, why do that? Why agree a price and then hike it up? Do they really think that we are going to stick around and do that? And then we had the gentleman's techno Viking Steve look out for the whole stay. Pretty much made it our home. We could have probably slept there if we wanted. And we had a good chat with Steve as well. Nice fella. Just, I think he was a Spurs fan, but he also followed someone local. He said he got fed up following Spurs. It was too expensive and he called them soulless. So he was following his local team. So he's a good lad. Looked after us. So the drunken rabbit, you are officially on the list of hatred. <laughs> the charter home it was a subdued affair but you expected that everybody was just dying it's the same cabin crew again yeah I was unconscious for the whole flight <laughs> yeah one of the crew was a Hearts fan oh, I didn't yeah. notice that he said at least you are in Europe yeah yeah so some fans stayed on in Iceland hit the Blue Lagoon that seemed to be quite popular looked very cool uh, whale watching etc some really cool natural wonders of the world yeah, hopefully the water wasn't anything like the showers because they smell like rotten eggs. Oh, it was brutal. It was like washing yourself with egg yolk, wasn't it? I don't know what the story was, but listen, we did it. We dealt with it. And we got the, we got the win. Nobody went to the Penis Museum, I believe. <laughs> yeah, the most popular attraction in Reykjavik. Yeah. Yeah, now when I saw the prices for the Penis Museum, there's no way I was gone. They were just taking the Mickey. So that's the Iceland trip wrapped up. So we'll, add, we'll go on to Sligo. We lost one in the Sligo on Sunday. A John Russell header after four minutes, and Russell was sent off with half an hour left. So I didn't make this one. Carl uh, made the trip up, and um, on the afternoon of the game, in a side note, the Dublin Fire Brigade were called to Tala to deal with a small fire in the Rovers merchandising unit inside the ground. So I'm blaming balls. Those balls, definitely. Well, whatever happened, we need to up our security on match on match days. Would you say? Yeah, it was a strange one, wasn't it? I mean, I'm going to take the piss saying it was balls, but who, I wonder how it happened. It's really, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Mm, hopefully no foul play, but you never know. Yeah. Um, but else? as for the trip up, um, no, but actually before we started doing this this podcast, I had an idea to to meet one new Hooper at each game. And funny enough, it's uh, kind of working out that way anyway. Yeah. So this week it was Sean Byrne. Who was uh, yeah, Sean's a gent. behind me on the bus? Uh, Job sounds Celtic manager until this year. He's he's after taking a step back. So yeah, Sean's a good hoop. So he knows Stephen Bradley pretty well. Knows him since he was a boy almost. So this is uh, quite personal for him. Seeing Bradley manage the Shamrock Rovers, and he's he's been following the hoop since 67, 50 years. Sixty-seven. Oh yeah, sure. We spoke to him on the Milltown march, and the yeah. audio wasn't great, so we couldn't put it on. He had words with me about that. Did he? Yeah, said he didn't hear it himself. Oh, well, <laughs> we'll definitely get him on. We'll have some to get sense. him on now. Sam Bond came in for Graham Bork, which I was surprised at, to be honest. I thought there would have been more rotation. Um, it's the only change. A lot of fans thought there should have been a lot more of the squad rotated. Um, I'm surprised he only brought in Sam Bond. I thought he would have put in like to Duna, some of our fringe players, but it was always going to be a physical game up here. Maybe he thought, uh, you know, uh, one more performance is all we need. We got up the table. We get a, we get a win up here. Played the same team, but it was a uh, sadly not not the case. Yeah, that was Bond's first league star since April. Since April. Yeah, Sam Bond, Sam Bond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, only one change. I was surprised that McAllister would come in, thought Mike O'Connor would start. Yeah. And I thought Bradley had learned his lesson from the past game. Remember how tired you were in that yeah. game? We've got a pretty good squad. I mean, that was the time to utilise it. Yeah, that's that was one uh, one letdown from the Sligo, apart from the result. Definitely would have wanted to see the squad rotated. So, as for the goal, it was a, a Russell header, as you said, it looped over Tomer, who was ruled to the spot. Uh, looked like the marking was kind of poor for that. Did we have any chances at all? Uh, Lopez had a header cleared off the line. But other than that, it was kind of a lot of long shots. It was just one of those games too many. never looked like you were going to score. Finn was convinced he was going to score a screamer. And he had loads of long shots. We were very toothless in attack. Just real lack of imagination. And, yeah, like you said. It was just one of those performances, wasn't it? It was almost inevitability about it that we weren't going to score. It was, it was the first away game this season in the league that we didn't score. And we had a nice little run going, unbeaten run going, didn't we? Yeah, the away form is definitely a big issue because we've only was it three wins, seven yeah. defeats. And it's improved, isn't it? Actually, listen to our away league results since September, right? Okay, go for it. Win, loss, draw, draw, loss, win, loss, win, loss, 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 win, loss, loss, win, loss. Jesus, that's poor. That's very poor. That needs to be... Yeah, our, our waveform needs to improve big time, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but the important thing is that it helps relegate Pats. Yeah. So, silver lining, as, as David Essex would say. Hopefully. Hopefully. Finally. Especially with that fucker Brennan. Hopefully they'll go down with him. Eh? Yeah, I saw Anthony Matthews on the farm. He was very critical of his performance. And uh, Carl Kearns as well made the point that we had... We had three tall strikers on by the end and we were trying to tread balls through for them. It was all a bit Van Gaal 2001 ah, for my it liking. literally just took the thought out of my mind. Yeah. yeah Hasselbank playing out wide. I mean, I don't think Boyd touched the ball when he came on. No, I mean, and they, and they tried to pass the ball in, yeah? Didn't yeah. No, no attempts, little chips in for the big strikers. Yeah, Connolly's passing, it wasn't good now. Finn was trying to orchestrate everything. Finn was his, his all-action display, like he is every week, trying to get us going. So Finn was good, although he's very lucky not to be sent off. Did you watch it back in Stark Republic? Uh, the elbow. Yeah. Yeah, he got lucky, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, Russell didn't do anything there. Bit of frustration coming out of Finner. Russell had been sent off in the first game, do you remember? In Tada. Yeah, yeah. That's twice he's been sent off against the season. He runs for days, in fairness to him, though. He's a decent enough player. And that's three times this season we've lost to ten men. Oh, God. And ten men for half an hour as well. Three times this season. God. Now, like I said, the away form definitely, definitely needs to improve. So hopefully it's something we can improve on. We're improving on our general form in the second series. So hopefully we can improve on our away form in the third series of games. And we'll come come back with a with a couple of a couple of points. The trouble after the final whistle. Some the the some Sligo pups tried to rob a flag and threw rocks into the rover section, but. Uh, Oh no, God God forbid Sligo fans had everything went bad like that. I mean they're they're angels. But uh, they were told where to go immediately. I think I don't even sure if, I'm not even sure there was a flag taken, but um I think it was just a little tricolour and that was not the proper rowers flag or anything. Yeah. And uh Yeah, I mean they were throwing stones at us. Do you remember when we were at the, the cup 
semi-final a few years ago. Yeah. They were throwing fireworks at us. Yeah. Nonsense. And the guards didn't do anything then. Nothing. And they don't do anything now either. No, because they just, yeah. uh, they, they just want, they're not bothered. It's a handy number for them. Go watch the match. They don't have to do anything, you know. I know we used to have the pass flag, but in fairness, that was funny. Yeah. God forbid anyone tries to rob our flag, I swear to God. I know we forget it everywhere we go, but <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't stop. No way I'd let anyone take our flag. Yeah, it was a bad-tempered game. I think Stigo had about eight yellow cards. It was a flurry at the end as well, wasn't it? It was a flurry yeah. of cards at the end. A lot of time wasting. I mean, they did what they had to do. They hadn't won in two months. They're fighting relegation. So I can't really blame them, but... Yeah, they won ugly. Yeah. Sure enough, there was a bit of trouble on the pitch then. The players were kind of squaring up to each other. Continued on into the tunnel. This is aside from the fans. Trouble afterwards. A Webster apparently had your man Toby at a bio by the throat. Did he? Yeah, he probably enjoyed it though, didn't he? An amateur porn star. <laughs> I suppose it wasn't any chance about sex tapes. Yeah, I know, yeah. Do you know, because it's, cause they're, they're, it's a non-event. That's why Sligo are just nothing. People aren't bothered. There's no rivalry there at all, you know. And then we had, who else have we got? We had Alan Alien Head Kane. He was melting off. Uh, do you remember the movie Sin City? Yeah. You know that character? Uh, the Yellow Bastard. Yeah. That's him. <laughs> it's, a, it's officially him. He's the image of him. And I remember I mean, the games in Tally used to call him an alien. Uh, he is a fucking alien. Mad heading him, but I mean nobody cares what he says. Fucking malahead. That's I mean he's irrelevant. I don't think he even got a a, a medal for Dundalk winning last year, wasn't it? Probably got one out of pity. Yeah, just throw him on there. No, I definitely have nothing good to say about Alan Kane. He was if we had it, I'd say last season he would have been on the hate list. If we had it, if we were going last season, so definitely no time for Alan Kane or anything he has to say. Even though we just gave him time, but that was just to take the piss out. Uh, coming home. It was kind of a uh, subdued bus, as you can... The numbers were were kind of down anyway. Yeah. As you'd expect. As expected, yeah. After Iceland. Yeah, a lot of us Iceland travellers were still in recovery. Especially Dan Fulham, who he'd been to Glastonbury as well, so... <coughs> yeah, it was a busy week for Dan. And there was a couple of lads constantly trying to get Dan's attention on the bus. I don't know if you've seen that in uh, Alan Partridge, where he shows, Dan! 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 No, for like no. three minutes... It's basically that, only for three hours. Jesus. Shaun and Dan. One of them, Connor, developed a bizarre fascination with boats. <laughs> proceeded to ask all of us to be like boats. And to be honest, by the end of it, I was only dying for a sing song about Roman Catholics. Yeah. Do Do you like boats? Yeah. I was I was undecided about the boats. Now we have an exclusive interview coming up from. Robert Bucker Bailey. Now we won't talk about much because it's actually hasn't to happen. We're meeting later on, but um, we're gonna air that and uh, see how we get on. Well, I'm here with Bucker Bailey, former Rover star and European star. That we're gonna talk about his time at Rovers and football in general. So um, we're gonna start off to where it all began. I know you remember you playing for Shells in the Orchard, and you had the likes of Stephen Gleeson. I think Adam Rooney played as well. Dame Massey, some some good players, and. Um, a couple of my friends went away and they had a couple of options and was Leeds the only team that wanted you or was was there a few options? No, Jesus. 14 teams was on trial. 14? 14 teams went on one side, yeah. From after I finished sixth, no, you finished sixth last and you went to fourth year. Fourth year and second year. Just wasn't in school. Was it was just on trial? Like Constantly playing football. On trial in England. 
And which which team which could you narrow it down to three and which teams did you look at? I know you signed for Leeds, but which teams did you look oh, yeah, at as we're well? We had a deal with United. Shook hands with United. Because it was United. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't fancy. I, I didn't like my time there when I was there. No? I was there for a couple of months. I didn't like my time, but it was United. Like, so. And wasn't there a deal with Shells? Shells had a link with United, did they? Shells had a link. That's where it all came yeah. to. But then I went to Leeds. My first time in Leeds. I said, I want to sign here. Oh, yeah? Impressed you? I went to Celtic. Didn't like it. Went to Chelsea. Didn't like it. West Brom rang. Without me even going to trial, said... We'd have you a four year deal. Yeah. Went to Redden. Brendan Rogers was the manager, and we absolutely loved it. Loved it. And what happened with Redden? Come over. Brendan came over to the house. <coughs> this is all I was out when, when we played uh, Liverpool, oh, where right. Brendan came over. That was a big thing, you'll see. Oh, yeah, I never knew. <laughs> Brendan came over to the house. He was at the sun in Johnny Hayes the year before. Johnny, oh, Johnny lived a couple just of doors up from me. He? Yeah, but Johnny lived a couple of doors up from oh, me. Oh, no way. We grew up together. So Brendan came into the house and he just said, Right, listen. If I don't sign you, I'm signing all the else. Oh, yeah. Your age group this year, like. Oh, yeah? So me and me, me nanny and granddad reared me, like, so we three years were there, and I said, my granddad was a Leeds fan for 50 <laughs> years, like. So that was the influence there. I said, granddad, I love Leeds, but oh, look, I love this man, like. Shook his hand. said, right, deal's there. He said, the deal will be faxed through tonight. Faxed it through. Signed it. He says, I'll fax it back over. Faxed it back over to him. So the Redden deal was done? Done. Rang him the next morning and said, Brendan, I want to sign up at Leeds. Oh, I'm going to pull out a deal. Like, whereas in, I hadn't got... He, all he had to say was, no, you've signed, you're done. He said, look, son, if that's where you're happy, okay. He's fair play, though. He, he, he could have been better yeah. about that. Like. So he done that for me. That was it. I was 14. You won't allow me off till you were 15. Leeds used to fly me over Monday to Friday because I wasn't allowed to live there. Yeah. Because I was so young. Yeah. I fly on Monday to Friday, train, come back, play for Charlie Orchard then. This will be last year after I left Shells. Play a game on a Saturday. Have me time with my friends on a Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Fly back to Leeds Monday, just went on for a Busy schedule. Busy schedule. And um, was but it the same as Simon Madden? Was he no. signed with Leeds as well, no? No, no, no. Simon didn't go. I was a year ahead of Simon. Like, about the same age, but I'd already been there for the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit more progression there. Yeah. But actually, what happened with that deal was then... Leeds had offered me a four-year deal. Me and Simon got the same deal. Right. Decent dough. Good turning on fears, blah, blah, blah. But it was like three weeks before we had to move over. And Greg Abbott was the um, the youth team manager and the developer and everything else. Just rang one day. He says, look, I need to meet you. Flew over. I says, all right, what's going on? He said, the deal's gone. Leeds? So what do you mean the deal's gone? I'm not turning down deals from everybody else. Like the, the deal can't be gone. End up sitting in Ruby Finnegan's. This was only fourteen. Like I just just gone fifteen. I was like, oh, I've been over every week. Like you've been flying me back and forth. He says this year he got relegated from the Premiership. So he says, where do I stand? Like what's going on? He says, look, I, I don't know what to say. The deal is gone. The way things are is there's so many midfielders that they've waited down to. There's less right back, Simon has more of a chance to get into the first team. Yeah, yeah. So he says, What can you give me? So I can't give me anything. I just give me a quid a week as an apprenticeship for one year. He's like, I'm not here to offer you that. I can't offer you that. That's like. Right. I says, 
ring now. Go ring Eddie Gray now. Eddie Gray is the manager. I said, and come back in and I'll tell me. So I went outside, ring Eddie Gray. Come back in and he goes, right, you have your year at 80 quid a week. Jeez. So I signed that. Six months. Had a three-year deal. And then you had made your debut and you came, came out. Did you come on at right full, was it? I forced to come, no, come on. That was, I was only there a couple of weeks. I come on at right full. Over in Ireland against Strada. On, on an Ireland trip. I was coming on to play for the Ireland 16th. And uh, Gary Kelly had done everything for me, everything, seen me in the airport. He's like, Where are you going? Why are you going to Ireland duty and all? I was like, Yeah, he goes, You're coming with us. He's like, Kevin Black took over that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Took you under the wing, like? Oh, major. Done everything for me, everything. But, made him, he, he, it was his, something to do with his, um, his, his, his cancer charity thing against right. Strada. So, he took himself off at half time and put me on then. Ah, so put you in the spotlight even yeah, more, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Ah, fair play, man. But, um, had a little fall out with Kevin Blackwell. And things weren't going too good, like after uh, a couple of months, but ended up having a fallout on one day. And it was on a Tuesday, I was going to a reserve game. And he something about you're, you're, um, you're going on a, on a building, so yeah, no, that's on the show. You're going on, um, you're going on, on, a, on a building site for a work experience. He says, not going to happen, mate. Like, so you're trying to put it on a, a building? That's what he says. That, that was his words to me. Like, so, as a kid, I was like, yeah, for what? Yeah. Trying to give it a little bit back and blah, blah, blah. What happened? We went off on the bus again and went to the reserve game. We were on the way down to Norwich, I think it was. Just flashed up on Sky Sports and it was Kevin Blackwell has just been sacked. Delighted, right? So, I was like, happy days next, next day. Dennis Boyce took over. From then, just just took a liking to me. Yeah, I had a family mind, yeah, similar to a boy in your tackle and that. He liked me like as a, in a person. He did, like he moved into the apartment and ate me. Ah, there you go. So, Watchful eye. Well, not really. No, not me at the more mischief than anything. But uh, we'll talk about your uncle Richie now, and he was sixteen when he played versus Banaco Strava, and he's the youngest. Ever, he still is the youngest ever player to play in Europe. And Martin, your other uncle, played in the nineties for the hoops. And did they have an influence on you? Regarding your move to Rovers from Fingal? Well, no. To be honest with you, no. You know, I'll be honest, I was... I only knew of Rovers through my granddad because Richie, as I said, my granddad brought me up, but Richie mm. and Martin were my granddad's brother's sons. Right. So my granddad was the one that kind of introduced me to Rovers mm. and these little bits. I wouldn't have talked to Richie or, or Martin too much about football before. I yeah, yeah, yeah. They had their own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were separate people, like, like oh, more or less. From when I was fourteen, I just bounced off on my own and done my own thing. Yeah, that's just the way it was. Made your own decisions and that. But uh, But then, as soon as I got the Rovers, I got the gist of things. Yeah. Like I I wasn't really aware of how, like, how much influence they had at the club. Like, yeah, yeah. Had at the club, I wasn't aware of that at all. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a boy that family, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when Michael O'Neill approached you, did you jump at the chance? I can say now, through every manager I've had, I've had Gus Poyer, Dennis Moyes, everybody else. Michael O'Neill has been the best manager I've ever had by a million yeah. miles. By a million, million miles. miles. I know I'm an outsider looking in, and he's, he's still my favourite manager as a Rovers fan. I just love the way he worked the team, the way he was a bit of a disciplinarian. Like, did he... Was he the type to scream and shout, or would he be calm? Did he have a bit of boat about him, or did he give the hairdryer treatment to anyone? He was different. Yeah? He had mad management. 
he screamed at someone that needed to be screamed at. Yeah. He knew when to do things and when not to Look, do it. He, like. he knew how to control me. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, he's the, only manager, he's the only manager that has ever got the... I think he's the manager that's got the best down me in that season we won the league. Yeah. Now, how we done it, I'll never tell anybody. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, we'll talk about that famous goal. The Lake goal versus Benilla. Who are now, I love Lake goals. It's it's just something I love. I love scoring Lake goals when... For Rovers, it's it's always good. And this one is one of my favourite ones because it was my kids' first game and it always sticks in my and their memory. So um, it's just behind Twiggy's goal versus Bowles and uh, it was a near impossible angle. I was just watching it earlier on and I think it, it took a deflection off someone, one of our teammates and when it dropped to you, what were you thinking? Were you didn't. thinking this angle is... I'd won the header at the back post. And hit off a Rovers player. Do you know what I'd done? I remember, I came on, it was the 80th minute and he says to me, there'd been a bit of trouble as in like, I'd gone... Obviously, now I was putting the paper a couple of weeks before all that stuff, the, the, like when I was a kid. And yeah. I had kind of played for a little bit and I, I felt things fizzling out. I was saying, like, this is going away from me. Like, yeah. So I came to the 80 odd minutes, the 89 minute, and he was always nearly jumping up and down in front of him. I was as if to say, get me on, just yeah. give me a chance here. So he hit, it was the 80, it was the 88 minute, and he, he turned around and says, uh, come on, be the hero. Turned me on, got the ball. Remember getting the ball off or uh, right back? Simon wasn't even there at that year. No, it was. I think he'd gone to. I think he'd gone to Don It was Sully. Got the ball off Sully. Back to Sully. I can remember the goal perfect. It's clear as day. It's the best. Like, it's the best feel I've ever had in football. Back off Sully into the midfield. Back off out to the right wing. Back in. It was the first time we we, we started to get the ball down and play like in yeah. the eighty eight minute. Ball went through whatever way it happened out to, I think it was Tommy Stewart out on yeah. the left. Swung in with his left. Tommy swung it in. Oh, you won the header at the back post, but it just hit off your man. Off the air player. Yeah. And dropped back down to me. And what was the first thing you thought? I'm going to square it I'm going to smash it? Or? I genuinely didn't mean to shoot. No? no. Really? I just first tried time to heard smash that. the ball. Yeah. Put it back in. Hopefully it goes in off an arse. smash this off somebody. Yeah. It went and in. their keeper was... He was a bit dodgy four though, yards. wasn't he? He was four yards away from his near post. He had shown a bit. He was a bit dodgy as well. Yeah. Like his positioning got, was poor. I got. I didn't say. I knew his position was poor, but I can't. Yeah. Hands down, I can't say it. it. I just smashed the ball. Said he'd go for it. And um, I mean, you scored the equaliser from an impossible angle, and then you nearly break Hooper man in half with the rugby <laughs> tackle. And there's mayhem in the stands. I mean, is it one of your favourite memories? Best memory sure. of having football. Yeah. yeah. In Best football. football. That's a that's a that's a big statement. Best memory in football. What do I do? And what, uh, what about um, the, that team as well? I mean, was there a great uh, team I've never spirit? Had, never had camaraderie in another team like that. Yeah. Ever. I mean, a show, like didn't it, with the league medals? And... Barrett was um, like unbelievable. Graham Barrett? Like, I know he wasn't, he didn't play much that year, or he was, he was everybody's saying he's finished. He was just, you'd, you'd never meet a more professional player around the, the change room. Really? To help kids and they like, I'm still heavily now involved about, now. About Juventus. Now, I don't know whether I'd want this tall or not, but we, we were away to Juventus. And just before the team was, the squad was being named, did the bench and, and blah, blah. Barrow was being put on the bench mm-hmm. and we brought two or three kids, younglets. And Barrow went to the team and said, look, I've been here before. Give a kid a chance. Take me off it. That, that, that was the type of player. He said that he against Juve out there. Yeah, that was the type of player. He said, oh, I've been here already. When I'm coming to the end. Give, give some, one of the, give the kid again. a chance. Jeez, fair play to him. That's the type of lad. Yeah, big, big one. And uh, we went down to win 
the away leg 1-0 in Israel, which set up the Juve fixture. And you started in Tala. It was a handy number marking uh, Marquisio, was it? It was, until it all kicked off, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was, I remember it was brilliant, wasn't it? And you know what? That's what epitomised that team. That bit of bite they had. They didn't care who it was. Getting yeah, in their like faces. Felt, like, no matter who you are, you, you're a man playing against a man, aren't you? That's it. It's a game, game of ball. And who stood out that day as in football and boys? I think it was what Sissoko was? in the middle, Marquisio, Maori up front. Not really, no, not for me. I was too concentrated on things myself. I yeah. was just like, like, you could put me out there and get like outside against fucking 11 players that there's 10 fans at, or you could put 100 fans, yeah. 1,000 fans in front of me. Nothing to be different. Yeah, doesn't let it fade, doesn't it's it fade game you. Football. Yeah. Like, that's it. It's game yeah, it's a good way to be. And the away leg in, I mean, it's torrential rain. It's a miracle the game was played, and Michael O'Neill tells you you're coming on. I mean, what what did he say to you? What what did he instruct you? I mean, can you swim? <laughs> I don't know what he said to me. You have bowls the weekend, don't act the bollocks. <laughs> Didn't I? That's what he said and to the, me. I mean, I remember the ball. The ball literally wouldn't move at times. No. It would just stop dead. And I remember people... I remember Del Piero scoring and thinking, fuck me, I want to serve it. Yeah. It's a super strike, wasn't it? It was unstoppable. It was brilliant. It wasn't, no one stopping that. I mean, and Big Al. Big Al's was, a super that keeper. That was the first time we ever in football. I told him, I said, Jesus Christ. Man. Like, it's it's right in front of you. Yeah. Del Piero, like, weird, was it? And uh, I mean, what was what was it like to play against the likes? I mean, is this Chiellini, Bonucci? I mean, were were they talking in your ear? Is there any ah, stories you remember about it? pulling at you? Yeah, there was. Well, obviously, the, the the arguments like in the middle of the park. There was things said that were said. And, and who was the, who was the tough man off the U A? Oh, yes. You were. <laughs> you were the tough. You ran the show. Ah, no, me and Torna. Yeah, Torna. We had Torna in the suite there recently. He was go crack him and Twiggy up and tell her. <laughs> Two of my good lads. Me, me and Tony were able to hold around against anybody. Yeah, I, I definitely. I wouldn't. Yeah. Wouldn't disagree. Put it that way. <laughs> but uh, we'll finish up now, and we're finally right. It's a fight to the death. It's you and Pat Flynn. Who's gonna win? Yeah. Jesus. Two of the toughest lads I've seen on the on playing for Rovers. Do you know what? I can't answer that. <laughs> you have to be diplomatic about this one. No, I can't answer that because there's a story about Pat that I could never tell. <laughs> Ever, never tell unless you were in a Shelbourne changing room. Oh, uh, yeah. This one day. Up till that day, I'd say me. After that day, Pat will know what I'm on about. Yeah. Uh, I Pat, think yeah. Pat listens, so... Probably Pat. Probably Pat. <laughs> After the Alan Matthews incident, it'd be Pat. That's <laughs> <laughs> all the inside now. I'll find out eventually, but... Listen, cheers and thanks very much. Hi, Andy Reid here, ex Ireland International, to tell you about the cracking restaurant open in Tala. Peachtree East is just beside the Lewis stop at Tala Cross East and is already scoring rave reviews. Open for morning coffee, tasty lunches, exquisite evening dinner, and cocktails. Rated number one in TripAdvisor. It's the restaurant Tala has been waiting for and the restaurant Dublin deserves. Head to Peachtree East Facebook for more information. So we're going to talk about the hot topic in League of Ireland at the moment, and that is Bray Wanderers. And they have advised all their players that they only have funds to cover next week's wages and all squad members can discuss terms with other clubs. Uh, we called this in the first three episodes of Tales from the East End. We said they'd last a series. And um, a couple of the players have been acting uh, acting the bollocks online, let's be honest. 
the I picture mean, of McCabe yeah, saying yeah that's, that's just bad form we're for sale we're for sale uh, taking the piss over Hugh Douglas had the exact opposite reaction saying I, some I, of the stuff posted online I have a bit of sympathy for them I mean they're trying to find humour in, in the situation uh, I don't know about that maybe, maybe just finding humour and then I mean they know they're going to get clubs let's be honest I mean mm. all three of those lads in that photograph are all going to get a club some others may struggle I don't think anyone should sign Kenna because I think he's been replaced by an alien the last few months yeah <laughs> No, I don't. I, I wouldn't take. Do you know, what? I was going through the squad, and I don't think I'd take anyone. People are saying they take Ryan Brennan back. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take Gary McKay back. I wouldn't take Aaron Green. Um, I I don't think I'd take any of them. Saw someone mention Cherry, but no, I, I don't think I'd take him either. You know, so I mean, I leave him to it. I don't want to. I don't want to disrupt our squad with any bad influences. You know. Yeah, I mean, the shit well and surely hit the fan, didn't it? On massively, Sunday, massively. I mean, did you see the figures? That they have for season tickets and, and fans coming through the gates. Yeah, well, they had made a weird statement about Dylan Connolly, first of all. Well. About Dundalk. And then, half-time of the Dundalk game, they came out with this statement. Mad statement. And yeah, it was like, it was releasing all their, of their attendances. And I can't even make sense of these attendances. Because it says like 848 for our game. Mm-hmm. We had like a couple of thousand yeah. at that game. There was definitely over 1,200 1500 at that game and before you say and what did we talk about about those Bray attendance figures your man taking the money at the gate do yeah. you remember yeah there you go. I that's, do our, remember you that's that. our problem right there that's what yeah. happened I mean anyone with a brain cell saw this coming and by the way anyone who's followed the League of Ireland for two minutes saw what was happening with the player wages suddenly signing top players away from Dublin clubs which as I think uh, Dan McDonald made the point it inflated wages across the league. Mm. Rovers and Pats had to offer higher wages to retain their players from Bray. Oh, because of Bray, yeah. You see, it was point in the sky stuff. I mean, you could the, the, the chairman probably thought, okay, we'll play good football, we'll get a good team. The city of Bray will take us into their hearts and follow us and we'll get a couple of tails in each game certainly wasn't the when case when has Bray ever taken the team into their hearts certainly not the case I, I feel for their hardcore support uh, sort of, I mean I really do I'd love to see them I mean it could it potentially could be a great little team what's the population 30, 40,000 of Bray you could easily get 5,000 yeah, seaside location right yeah. beside the dirt I mean the great occasion you could easily get 5,000 a game but, but the, the fans have never come out for them no never so how can you just how can you plan the budget based on oh if we get in the top three four then the crowds will come out when there's no precedent for that happening in Bray yeah. but if you saw O'Connor on Soccer Republic either he's delusional or he's a pathological lawyer I can't tell which but <laughs> he said some, he said um, all he wanted to do was finish one place higher they finished sixth last season now that's that is bollocks they were clearly yeah. going for Europe and they were clearly depending on the European money to cover these expenses. And depending on high gates, thinking that they'd get people through the door by playing good football, which was an insane thing to do if you think about it. Thinking, oh yeah, let's get, well, if we start playing good football, get good players in, the fans will show up, and then that'll be the gate money, and we'll be okay, we can pay the wages. No way. It was never going to happen, and it was crazy to even attempt that. Well, the figures that came out were that uh, the gate receipts last year were €94,000. And the overall senior team costs were €560,000. So they looked at gap. that and said, let's go full-time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's crazy. So, And O'Connor blamed 
the Bray support for all, like if you listen to everything he said other than one time where he says maybe it was a false premise there's actually nothing in anything he said where he takes accountability for his own actions mm. it's all it's because the Bray fans didn't come out for the games that's why this is falling apart that's what he's saying I wouldn't have touched it with a barge ball now if I was him that's being honest I mean fair enough you have to have ambition for your club and hopefully but he, he should have called a spade a spade and said listen fans aren't going to come through, through through the doors for this and even playing good football and doing well wasn't he, it wasn't even a guarantee either you know they kind of got lucky in that respect he actually mentioned the 1990 cup final why did he mention that that's when like a non-league St. Francis team got to the final at Lansdowne Road and 30,000 were there what has that got to do with anything I see some people were saying it was just a land grab it's like the Carlo Grounds uh, was to be the centre of this from the start so I think he's just looking at taking a hold I've of I've seen that theory alright and it could be true Um, so they might limp on for the rest of the season with the under 19s and mm. under 17s some amateurs get some amateurs in it'll either be that or they withdraw from the league and as we were talking about before we came on the show what does that mean for relegation then what happens I mean like we we spoke about this briefly before we started recording and we're, we're, we're not sure what happens I mean let's say Bray are gone don't exist anymore what happens does two teams go up three still go down like what? what's they, they'll have to the FAI will have to address this issue if it does you can't just open up a new space to go up or down mid-season though like will they have a playoff for like will two go down and the third bottom team will have a playoff with the second team in the fourth division we don't know what's going to happen we really don't like we, that's that's if it goes that's a break out of the wall so we'll, we'll see what happens with them yeah someone made a table um, if Bray were to leave the league and Derry would be three points closer to us mm-hmm. fortunately Bowles and Nimerick would, would be badly affected they'd lose six points yeah. dragged right back into relegation Pats would be dragged out of relegation wouldn't they this better not keep Pats up now. Oh, I'm telling you. It'd be, it'd be disgusting, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think Brian Kerr put it best earlier this season. Well, I think the retention of Dylan Connolly was obviously a big one um, under a bit of pressure. I think Dundalk made a substantial bid for him. Mm. But they've, it looks like they've invested heavily in the team. Getting um, Bisto Flood back there, out to Bray, it was hardly for the sea air that he was going, going back to Bray. But I hope that the public around Bray respond to that investment and go to the matches because yeah. their crowds have never been very big except when they got to the cup finals and won them under Pat Devlin. So it's time people got out and supported the team. I think you have a fair chance of doing very well. It might be over optimistic talking about Europe at this stage until we see how the season settles. Well, yeah, Brian Kerr. And the FAI released a very important statement on Monday evening. The Football Association of Ireland today held talks with Bray Wanderers FC regarding the club's current situation. At the meeting, the FAI requested that the club clarify its position following comments and a statement made by the club chairman last week. A number of key items were discussed during the meeting, including the commitments the club entered into during the independent club licensing process. The FAI will continue to monitor the situation. Great at monitoring stuff, aren't they? And uh, discussions are ongoing between the association and club representatives. So... That is what the FBI think of all this. That is a statement, all right, in that it had some sentences and words in it. Well, that's about <laughs> it. And um, 
Actually, an FAI spokesman came out to reiterate their statement, so let's hear what they had to say. I have no strong feelings one way or the other. So just before all this went down, Dundalk signed Dylan Connolly and... Uh, How sick must even can you feel? Didn't they get offered six figures at the start of the season? They rejected it and now they got, what, 35 grand we're hearing? He paid 40 grand for a player he could have got for free 48 hours later. I know they, I mean, Dundalk would be sick, but they still did make, save a few quid. Like I said, they offered six figures earlier on the season, didn't they? Bray said no, so... um, What else have we got? We're going to move on to St. Pat's now, and they have signed uh, Owen Garvin and Killian Brennan. So that's their great way hope. Killian, a bastard Brennan. <laughs> What's going on? I mean, they, they love him there. Pat's fan of work. They love him. They genuinely love him. I mean... I think he got player of the year there and he did well with them. I think he won the, he won the league of pass, didn't he? After he left us, he won the league and player of the year with them. Oh man, I can't stand him. Really but can't. again, I think I mentioned last week, remember how happy they were to get Quigley back? Yeah, very true. Imagine we relegated a uh, pass with, with Brendan. It'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Imagine both of his clubs this season got relegated. And there was a photo Draw online, I think the photo that Pats put up of of Brendan signing of him in a Pats training top and that it was Bucko was in the background talking to Craig and he had released him so in the photo that they put up of Killian Brennan signing for the club Killian Brennan has signed for the club blah blah blah, blah. in the background you can see Buckley releasing Craig, Craig and having a little chat with him saying listen and like like an hour or two later he wish you well on your future endeavours yeah he, he said thanks to Pats and everything and he's moving on to a new challenge so you couldn't write this stuff only in the league of Ireland and it's Tuesday morning here so Pats have a meeting tonight and they are rumoured to be discussing Buckle's future and a hair transplant. But uh, yeah, no, if, if that's the case, I mean, why would they be letting him sign players? So I reckon he's just uh, he's just going to sweet talk to him and say, listen, we've got two new players. Look at the pedigree of Owen Garvin. Killian Brennan's a player of the year, league winner. You know, he's just going to talk his way into keeping his job. They have no wins in seven now. They were, they were booed off the pitch against Galway after the draw. And apparently Galway hopped off them. Galway should have should have became out easy winner, so... That's uh, they're definitely not playing well. Have you noticed Drogheda only have one goal in their last eight games, and it was against us. One goal in eight games. That's really depressing stuff, isn't it? I think. I think they're sorry to go down because they're they're in free fall. Brennan just left. Unless they get a hold of one of our young starlets, like a Boyd or something like that, going alone. McCaffrey left. Yeah, so, that dressing room is in a uh, in it's it's in disarray altogether, isn't it? I've seen Sligo might go on a bit of a run, so I think it's going to be between Galway, Harps and Pats. Uh, we have Cork have signed Kieran Sadlier. I'm not sure if they paid a fee for him. I'm guessing they did, did they? They must have paid something for him. Because he paid con- something, yeah. Yeah, he was contracted. So that's their uh, potential replacement for Maguire. That's eight players now, Caulfield has signed from Sligo. Eight players, yeah. It's quite a few. Cork won 2-0 away to Lavadia Talent and Derry were trashed 6-1 in Denmark by FC Midland. Uh, good Cork win. Uh, the Cork game is on Air Sport and they're showing our second leg live this week which I'm not too happy with unless we're getting some sort of money but it still will have an effect on the attendance and what we mm. need is a hopping atmosphere. We need a, re- we need a really lively atmosphere in Salah and uh, this is going to take that away from that so like I said we must be the only country in the world that don't want their games televised. And that doesn't really benefit us. Did you see Soccer Republic have uh, made a move now to 6.30 on yeah, the we web? Yeah, spoke about this. 
six thirty on on the RT player, and then repeat at eleven on, and on TV. And business as usual at eleven. That's a really good yeah. move. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, not everyone wants to stay up to eleven. No, I mean, and even if there's kids who want to watch it, they probably mightn't be allowed to stay up on a school night and that, you know. Uh, what else have we got? We have more more filth from McElhaney. He's um he's a filth merchant at this stage, isn't he? The goals of these that's why he's so much talent. He's having his own personal goal the season competition. We don't praise many uh, non Rovers players, but this guy has talent. Let's be honest. He just has that something special. He's always at it. Um, Shane Hanny has left our club. He's taking a break from football. Was there an official statement on that? It was in the programme. Program, I don't think yeah. it was anything official. Yeah, so good luck to him. What else? Maybe he's studying, not sure what he's doing, but good luck to him and his future endeavours. We have Aaron Dobbs, who has moved on loan to Wexford, which I love seeing. I love seeing these young guys get a, get a, a loan move. Now, it's, it's, it's definitely what we want. We want these young lads going out on loan, getting physical experience. League of Ireland experience and then coming back to us with a a better skill set. So hopefully he does well. Dobbs is from Wexford, isn't he? Oh yeah, there mm. you go. That makes more sense. The new Longford Town manager is former Rovers player and striker Neil Finn. Do you remember he retired and came out of retirement to sign with Rovers? Yeah. And then in his first game back against Dundalk, he was smashed 5 1. Rather have a tip than a Finn. Yeah. Our 17s unbeaten start to the season came to an end in Waterford last week with a 5-1 hammering. The team was missing a lot of players though, some because of injury, holidays and goalkeeper Kelvin Garrity was absent due to a family bereavement. So there was a lot of absentees but it was still a bad defeat. Um, a reminder that our under-19s have that cup game at home to draw it on Wednesday, 7.45. So midweek game, nothing to do, get on out, support the hoops, under-19s, great young team. Uh, I think they'll have to avenge their 3-2 loss they lost 3-2 didn't they to draw it out there the young lads uh, St Kevin's and a supposed partnership of Bowes and the Mayo League are in the under 15's League of Ireland which begins its short season next month so that has been a talking point as well online a lot of people are not happy with the, with Kevin's going in well it's a short term measure but it really does open a can of worms I mean Cherry Orchard look at that Belvoir look at that all the other clubs look at that and say well we want a piece of this pie now so We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, what else? We're going to move on now to the best stats ever, Carl stats. So now in Iceland, Rovers scored for the twentieth consecutive game in all competitions. So twenty games in a row, we've hit the back of the net. The only other time the club has done this since the seventies was a run of twenty-nine games from nineteen eighty-three to nineteen eighty-four. I like that stat, Carl. That one was unearthed from the fucking... It was like a phoenix rising from the ashes, that one. I enjoyed that. Sligo was the first time since the 1-0 home defeat to Derry on March 10th that the Hoops failed to score a goal. Uh, Shamrock Rovers are looking to go three games unbeaten in Europe for only the second time ever. That's a, that's a great show as well. The other one was in the 1966 the Cup Winners' Cup against Spora Luxembourg and Bayern Munich. In the six other times that Rovers won the first leg, Schalke in 1969 is the only time the hoops didn't go through. So all six times that Rovers have won away from home at any stage in the tie, that they have advanced. So it's uh, the omens are good. The omens are good. Uh, Sligo against Rosenborg in the 2014 Europa League are the only League of Ireland club to win the first le- first leg away from home and get knocked out of Europe. Danny North mentioned that one on, on Twitter. He said the chairman blamed him. For really? going out, even though he scored in the tie, he banned him for missing a couple of chances. Yeah, and eating all the bacon fries. Um, 
The hoop secured the League of Ireland's 100 away win in Europe. I had the Eurovers, didn't I? When Chris Turner scored against Florida Talent in 2011, it was the League's 100 goal in the Europa Cup and Champions League. So we're setting milestones all over the place. In the last nine European away games, Rovers have scored in eight of them. So we have a good record in scoring away in our ties. Um, only one we didn't score in was a draw in Luxembourg. Gary Shaw scored his first European goal. They were uh, European debuts for Tomer Henchinski, Pico Lopez, Graham Bourke and for Dave McAllister and Sam Bone who came off the bench. So their European cherries have been popped along with a few hoops on that trip as well. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, Gary Rogers, 33 appearances, is the only active League of Ireland player with more European appearances than Ronan Finn at 30. So Finn is uh, set to make his 15th Rover appearance in Europe. The club record is held by Johnny Fulham. 19 appearances so uh, Finn could break that one if we go on to do well well then he came close he, he got to 18 okay he would have broken it if he had stayed but yeah definitely Sternan are fourth in the table losing three and drawing one of their last four league games captain Gudjon Balvinson scored a 95th minute winner in their 3-2 home win over K.O. Reykjavik in the cup on Sunday uh, pretty much the same starting lineup as well wasn't it yeah Stephen Bradley was appointed caretaker manager exactly one year ago on Tuesday and Friday will be a year since his fourth game in charge. He is the fifth manager to lead Rovers and the away win in Europe after Liam Toohey, John Giles, Liam Buckley and Mick O'Neill. So we have Gary Shaw, Brandon Miele and Simon Madden. They were the only players who started both Bradley's fourth game in Finland and the win in Iceland. So now we're going to move on to starting 11s and predictions. Okay, so I'm going to go with a 4-4-1-1 and it might sound a little bit negative but I think I think we're going to win well. Um, I'm going to start with Tomer, Madden, Pico, Webby and Lukey at the back. I'm going to start with Finn and McAllister in the middle. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to put McAllister in there and uh, hopefully break it up because they were quite physical. Big lad in the middle. I'm going to go with Brando and Trev again on the wings and I'm going to put Bork in behind Shaw because the Bork wasn't amazing in Iceland but I think he, like I said he does he does frustrate me at times he has potential he has ability and I think it's going to be one of those European nights where the likes of Bocker who scored that great goal against Bnei Yehuda and the the Partizan Belgrade goal for Gary McCabe I think it's going to be one of those nights where someone with genuine talent is going to pull one out of the bag and I think that's what's going to happen so I'm going to go for 2-0 and a Bork goal and uh not too sure who'll get the other one, but we'll go with a Bork goal anyway and a 2 0 Robertson. I'm gonna go same team at Nyson except Mikey O'Connor in for Graham Burke. Oh good stuff. Four four two, I like it, girl. And I'm gonna say one nil win. One nil win. Send the hoops to the Czech Republic. Checking the Floyds already. Two hundred and twenty euro. <laughs> sure they'll shoot up though. Um what else have we got? There's a free ticket waiting for Forky. He won our European competition last week, so Forky, we will be in touch. And uh, we still have loads of badges left, so we will be around. Keep an eye out for us. We could be at the East Stand, could be at the West Stand. It depends. We're going to meet up with a couple of fans beforehand who are looking for tickets, so or are looking for badges. So we didn't sell them in the main stand, so that's where we'll be eventually. But you'll see us. We'll have the table set out. And um, I don't think it'll bother any Celtic predictions. I mean, do you have any stats? Uh, I covered a little bit in the, the programme, the Celtic programme coming up. Paul Doolan's going to talk about 
previous meetings, I mentioned the, uh, the only competitive meeting was the 1986 European Cup. Remember John Byrne mentioned that? Oh, yeah. In his interview. Yeah, he's very complimentary of it. Everyone who was there says 2-0 win wouldn't have flattered us that night. And we only we lost 1-0. Yeah. A late sucker punch. Packy Bonner was in goal for Celtic that day. Packy Bonner. There's been a couple of friendlies since Tata. 2010-11. Uh, 2010-1, Stephen Bradley actually scored a penalty against him. In the haunted end and all. The hell, remember, remember, geez, remember the penalties? The penalty misses down there? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I think that's it for today. And uh, we're all wrapped up. Our next show will be on Monday night because we're recording on Sunday and we have a mystery guest. We're going to build this one up. This is, with all respect to Jace Maloney, who uh, definitely bumped up our listenership definitely, when he was on the yeah. show. This this is a box office name we have. Yeah, it should, it should be. I mean, it was a bolt out of blue and it was... Uh, it was it was very flattering to that he even accepted. So, um, like we said, guys, we're in, our next show is Monday night, and uh, like I said, it's our monthly madness special. Not one to be missed. Not one to be missed. So, so hopefully we'll roll on and we'll uh, get the get the big win on Thursday, and then hopefully see you all in Czech Republic. See ya. <laughs>